0: Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us, but truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. Hey, friends. Welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits. I'm grateful that you're listening today. Hope your week is going well. Um, We are in the midst of lots of transition and lots of change. If you've listened to upcoming, or excuse me, preceding podcasts, um, you took note that I mentioned that I'm in ministry transition away from the church that I've been at since 1994 and been serving on staff at since 1997 and been the lead pastor or co-lead pastor since 2002 and God has over the course of the last six months to a year transitioned my heart into a new assignment and just recently made that assignment clear and uh, just in case any of you are wondering listen um, everything's good with me and the people of Newbridge there is no scandal there is no division uh, I had a friend ask me when we made the announcement he said uh, that announcement went went so well and was so um, you know, unified in its spirit was, was he asked me, was that theater? Was that fake? <laughs> And I said, no, that's actually supposed to be the way that we do things in the kingdom. We're actually supposed to be unified. We're supposed to be kingdom minded. We're not supposed to fight. But that just goes to prove uh, where we are in uh, church ministry in this generation is that we expect it to be nasty. And there really isn't any nastiness. It's just a new assignment that was, uh, for the most part, unexpected by most. But uh, the Lord is good and leading. And so we are um, happily situated in a, a brand new ministry. And I'll tell you more about that in a different podcast. But um, in the midst of change, man, I'm telling you, one of the things that God always does for me personally is he, he calls me to assess my heart. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't ever want to presume that my heart is exactly where it needs to be with the Lord. I actually want to take the initiative to honor the Lord. By regularly examining my heart, you're going to find a lot of calls in the New Testament to examine yourself, to check yourself, to um, be aware, be self-aware about what's going on in your spirit, what's going on in your soul, what's going on in your mind, in your heart. We're, We're not to assume that all is well, even though we are saved, we are forgiven, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, and we have a righteous standing before God, There is the constant call that as we want to honor the one who has saved us, we we want to live holy lives. You heard me, right? Yeah. Holy lives. That means God actually cares about how we live. He actually cares about what we think. He cares about what comes out of our mouth. He cares about what we're doing and prioritizing in our lives. He cares about our relationships. He cares about Uh, our attitudes about everything. Um, What are we doing with our time? What are we doing with our priorities? What do we do with our money? What do we do with our gifts and abilities that he's given us? Um, I think that there is, I don't think it, I know it. There is the call in the kingdom for each Christian to regularly assess his or her life as unto the Lord. And then when the Holy Spirit works to convict us about need for change, We obey. We actually do what the Spirit says, whether he's speaking through the Word, whether he's speaking through the inner witness of his own voice, the Holy Spirit's own voice in our lives, or whether he speaks through um, correction that comes from another Christian, or maybe even a non-Christian. You know, non-Christians can see sometimes that we don't measure up to what we say we believe, and so we just need to stay aware of who we are and how we're living and make sure those things are, are closely aligned. I was thinking along that um, when I was studying back in the summer, Um, I was studying the lives of some Old Testament characters, and I remembered um, a series of chapters about Moses and his encounters with God. Moses was one of those who, the expression in the Bible is that he saw God face to face, and we would call that in the theological uh, world, a theophany. Theophany is a visual, visible, manifest appearance of God. And I typically lean towards that if God manifests himself visibly in the Old Testament, it is what we call a Christophany, which means the second person of the Godhead, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Before he was born and named Jesus, he existed co eternally as the Son of God. And I believe that he occasionally takes on physical appearance in the Old Testament. He's sometimes called the angel of the Lord. Sometimes it's just God. And you have people that said that they saw God. You have Moses, you have Jacob, you have Isaiah in Isaiah chapter six. These individuals and others said that they had seen God and lived, but nobody has actually seen the unveiled face of God and lived. That's very clear in scripture that no man can see the unveiled undiminished glory of God in his countenance and survive. But there are manifest appearances. And so Moses, in studying his life, I was very intrigued and always have been that that he actually saw the Lord and lived. But did you know that there were at least three other people with Moses? Actually, 73 other people that were with Moses that saw the Lord on Mount Sinai. Um, If you were reading through the book of Exodus, you would get to chapter 24 And you're going to find in chapter number 24 that God summoned Moses and his brother Aaron and Aaron's two oldest sons, Nadab and Abihu, and then 70 other men to go up Mount Sinai and to meet with God. 74 people went up the mountain and met with God. God called them to come up. God initiated a meeting with them. And what is stunning is that in verses 9 through 11 in Exodus 24 the bible says that they saw a physical manifestation of god with their human eyes now we don't know exactly what that entailed but the bible is very clear that moses aaron nadab and abihu and 70 elders of israel were summoned to come up the mountain for an encounter with god a supernatural visual audible encounter with the creator of the universe who is eternal, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. God said, I will squeeze myself into the realm of earth and I will reveal myself visibly and audibly to Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders. Now, I don't want to just gloss over that. That's what we call a supernatural encounter with God. Supernatural encounter. Um, many people do not prioritize it. Um, many people don't believe that it happens anymore. Uh, many people believe that that's cordoned off to the times of the Bible and the post-Pentecost church, but that it faded away at the end of the first century. And so a lot of people go their entire lives and do not believe theologically in an interactive God. They they somehow, in an undefined way, water down a relationship with God to merely mental, sometimes emotional, but most of the time theological. In other words, they study words about God and they believe those words as they should. Scripture is true, but it is in essence that God handed them a book about himself, but then maintains distance from them unless they can find glimpses of him in their mind, are in their emotions, but there is no actual interaction with God. And I don't believe that that's true at all. I don't believe that Jesus Christ came to this world to live a perfectly sinless life, die a sacrificial substitutionary death in pure agony physically. And then the unspeakable, immeasurable agony of drinking the full cup of the wrath of the father as Jesus was made sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of Christ in God. I don't believe that Jesus did all of that so we could read a book about him and that's it. Now, that may sound heretical to some of you, and that's okay. It wouldn't be the first time I've been labeled a heretic. But I'm just asking you, is it reasonable to believe that there is more to the Christian life than just simply mastering a book about God? I think that's entirely reasonable because the God of the Bible is a God who speaks, is a God who encounters, is a God who loves, is a God who leads, is a God who calls, is a God who um, advances, is a God who humbles and rebukes. And God does all of these interactive things in the Bible. And occasionally God manifests his presence in a way that flattens people. And I don't have time to go into it, but if you will read the Bible and just read it with an eye, keeping an eye out for how God manifests Himself and what the experience of those people to whom He manifests Himself is, um, you're going to find out that the glory of God will level you. It will put you on your back. It will put you on your face. It will put you on your knees. It will. Um, it will. It, 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 it defies description. But when you enter the presence of the Lord, when the Lord manifests his presence, um, it is an overwhelming encounter with the almighty and the, the sad reality of many Christian lives today is they don't believe God does that anymore. And they often base that belief on the fact that they have never experienced that before. But they don't stop to consider that maybe they have never experienced it before because they have been taught their whole life that it doesn't happen. Therefore, they've believed it doesn't happen. Therefore, they do not pursue encounter with God. They simply believe that Christianity is an academic exercise of mastering theology, honoring God with the mind, honoring God with the emotions, honoring God with uh, willing obedience. And I'm all for all of those things. I'm not diminishing the significance of those things. But what I'm saying is there is more. So Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu go up the mountain. Seventy elders go with them. And the Bible says, and I want to hone in on Nadab and Abihu, that these sons of Aaron, these priests of, the, of Israel, they saw the Lord. They experienced a level of the presence of God. That very few people in Israel, less than 1% experienced what an inestimable privilege cannot be quantified it cannot be measured but these men experienced supernatural encounter as they ascended up the mount of god met with god heard with god the bible even says they ate and drank while they were up on the mountain there was some kind of interaction with a visible manifestation of god that even included eating and drinking i don't even know what to do with that statement but it's clear in the bible that as they stayed on the mountain with god that they experienced him visually visibly interactively. Nadab and Abihu did that. So why am I making a big deal out of that? Well, one, because it is a big deal. (laughs) It's a big deal to meet with the Lord, and it's a big deal to have an encounter with God. And so the scripture is clear that these two men, Nadab and Abihu, had a powerful supernatural encounter with God. They were two of only four named men who, at the invitation of God, went up Mount Sinai. So again, along with their father, Aaron, uncle Moses, and the 70 elders of Israel, these guys, Nadab and Abihu, were handpicked by God to ascend them out and experience his visible presence. And the Bible goes out of its way. You can read all of this, by the way, in Exodus 24. Um, The Bible says that they saw God, and then it adds the footnote that the Lord didn't even lift up his hand against them. They lived to tell about it. Just very quickly, supernatural encounter is to be awesome, that means full of awe, it is to be reverent, it is to result in consecration, and anybody that is casual or flippant when they're describing a presumed encounter with God or regular encounters with God, I think that's a questionable mode. I think that when somebody is describing some encounter with God and it's superficial, it's flippant, it's sensationalized, it's um, meant to be, um, you know, Instagram worthy or you know, PR worthy or what, whatever you want to call it, um, I don't think that matches up with what Scripture says. I don't think it's ever casual for you and I to be in the presence of God. And if the result is casual, in our lives, then it probably wasn't God. It probably was something else. But I would say that Nadab and Abihu clearly had an encounter with God. And let me give you my main thought today. Supernatural encounter with God is not enough. It's not enough. Now, I I make no bones about it. make no apologies for it. I believe in supernatural encounter. I have encountered the presence of the Lord. I've never seen the Lord. I've never had a visual manifestation of God. But I know that I have been in moments of his intense and increased presence where he is taking the initiative. And I'm going to tell you, it is embarrassing to the flesh. When I know that I have been in the presence of God, sometimes it's in a powerful prayer meeting or worship service. Other times, and I would say probably most times it is in private where I know that God has, can I say it? I mean, I, 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 tremble even saying it, but God has entered the room and it leaves me physically rattled. It leaves me emotionally, um, in a level of sometimes delight, most often gratitude to a level where I'm broken and crying and sobbing that this holy Um, all consuming God has, has come and encountered me where I was. And, um, the end result is not that I want to brag about that encounter, not that I want to, um, you know, post it casually on social media so that everybody knows that Jeff Lyle had cool encounter with God today. Most of the time I never tell anybody. And if I do share it with somebody, it's usually my wife. Sometimes my children, because I want my children to know about a God who loves to encounter them. Um, but most of the time, it's just kept between me and the Lord. Why? Because authentic encounter with God produces a holy reverence and a sobered awareness that we are small and he is immeasurably glorious. And I just don't believe in the flippant, casual rehashing of encounters with God that sound really cool and make great kind of a uh, press release and and marketing for churches and ministries. I just don't believe in that. Um, one of the reasons I don't believe in it is because I see what happened to Nadab and Abihu. Remember, they saw God. They went up on the mountain. They were called to be priests. They ministered in Israel in the tabernacle. They they served the Lord after they saw the Lord. That, that moment in their life was very real. It would have been transformational. And then they had to go back down the mountain at some point and serve the Lord as, as God prescribed he would be served in the law that he gave to Moses. Moses stayed on the mountain, went up higher on the mountain, got the law of God. And then they all came back down eventually and had to live life as the people of God called Israel. And part of what God said is, here's how I want you to worship me in the tabernacle. And here's what I want all the priests to do. And so Nadab and Abihu served directly under Aaron as priest of Israel who ministered under the Lord and the priests were called to live deeply 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 consecrated lives simply because they were the ones chosen to minister under the Lord in the tabernacle to whom much is given much is required and God required a higher level of consecration for his priests than he did for the average israelite in that day and so if you in the practical matters nadab and abihu These guys would oversee and participate in the sacrifices unto the Lord. Nadab and Abihu would engage in ceremonial acts of worship. And part of that would be offering incense um, unto the Lord. And because that's the way God prescribed that he would be worshiped and involve um, the priest offering incense, the fragrance of worship in the tabernacle of the Lord. Now you got to remember, God gave Moses explicit instructions about how all of this stuff was to take place. I mean, explicit, very specific instructions. God gave them to Moses. So God wasn't playing around. It wasn't just, hey, guys, bring something and let it smoke up the the tabernacle and, you know, do a little washings and make sure you're generally clean and come in and worship me. No, 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 no. It was dictated to them how they would worship God. And the point of all of that was that God wanted to show that you don't approach me casually. I am God and you are not. I mean, it was the fear of the Lord woven into the law of God. Even the ceremonial law gave the message that God is distinct and holy from man. so the fear of the Lord was required and his ministering priests were to live clean, holy lives of intentional obedience in their worship and service unto the Lord. Now, if we flash forward a little bit into the future of Nadab and Abihu, talking about from off of the mount and then a little bit forward into their futures after they had seen God. These two priests ended up becoming, I guess, casual. It's an unspecified way, but they became casual or flippant with their service of God in the tabernacle. And you're going to find a very alarming few verses in Leviticus 10 if you read in Leviticus 10, in the first three verses, you're going to find this, that on a specific day where Nadab and Abihu, they'd come off the mountain, they'd seen God, they'd had incredible encounter, like most of us have never had in this life, and most of us will never have in this life. They'd seen the Lord. They had been given insane privilege to encounter the Lord in a way that 99.9% of human beings will never encounter in this life. But then they went back and they started resuming their service unto the Lord. And instead of living in trembling fear of the Lord and consecration of the Lord, they started getting casual with the worship and service of the Lord. And so you're going to find in Leviticus 10 that they, they're they said to have offered strange fire. That's the King James version. Um, it just means as they were offering incense or you know burning the sacrifices, they were doing something with fire and the King James calls it strange fire. I preach out of the English standard version and it calls it, calls it unauthorized fire. But the word in Hebrew literally means it was unauthorized or it was foreign or it was profane. So regardless, we're not told exactly what they did, but it seems to have been with the incense that they took fire from some inferior source to light the incense they got casual with their ministry under the lord they got casual with the presence of the lord they got casual with the word their attitude towards the word of the lord somehow these men that had seen the holy god and spent time with him on the mountain later on in life they got flippant they got lazy they got casual, they got presumptuous, and they did not intentionally honor the Lord. So what happened? <laughs> well, it's, it's actually not funny at all, but God was displeased with their disregard of his holiness and he killed them. You heard me right. God killed Nadab and Abihu with holy fire. Don't miss that. They offered what was called strange fire. And God took them out of this life with a release of his holy fire. Now, friends, listen, don't get consumed with what exactly did they do? Because I don't ever want to do that. Well, you'll never do what they did because you're not a priest in the tabernacle. We don't know exactly what the violation these two men committed. But we do know that they had experienced previously supernatural encounter with God. And yet they still got casual and flippant in their worship and their service. And we don't know exactly what they did, but we do have a hint from Moses's words in Leviticus 3. when Moses said to Aaron concerning the death of his sons, he said, among those who approach me, this is Moses speaking on behalf of God. And God says through Moses, among those who approach me, I will show myself holy in the sight of all the people. I will be honored. So after literally before they, they pulled the bodies of the two men out of the tabernacle, God speaks through Moses as Moses was the prophet. And he says this, among those who approach me, I will show myself holy in the sight of all the people. I will be honored. So what we can deduce from that is Nadab and Abihu uh, did not honor the Lord and did not regard his holiness. And they paid the ultimate price, the highest price of all. So what is my point? (laughs) You guys have been really patient listening up this point. Well, let me tell you my point. It's not really that complex. We need to remember that that God is holy. And serving God and worshiping God is never to become casual or flippant with us. Now listen, joy and celebration are welcome in the worship of God. But a casual, flippant or fleshly approach to God is unworthy of Him. And I'll speak Briefly to spiritual leaders, pastors, preachers, evangelists, prophets, worship leaders, intercessors. Those of you that love encounter with God and listen, I want to encounter him. I am not apologizing for that. But I want to just say we cannot rest in our supernatural encounters with God. Because these alone don't produce honor of him. They're supposed to. But if you don't remember in your spirit, the one whom you are encountering or who is encountering you, you could very well commit the same type of sin as Nadab and Abihu and you'll get casual. The presence of God, instead of being awe striking, will start to become cool to you. It'll start becoming um, video worthy. It'll start becoming something you post about online on social media but it doesn't affect any character change in you. And I would just say, as we pursue the God of the Bible, as he loves us and wants to be intimate towards us, he wants us to know his presence, not just his word. I love his word. His word kind of frames up what to expect of him when he encounters us with presence. But if, if this pursuit of encounter turns into a childish game of chasing one experience and then the next and it doesn't result in holiness it doesn't result in honor to the Lord it doesn't result in a deepening of our Christian character and our consecration then I would say that the encounter is something less than what God intended and I would also say this Although I do not believe God is going to strike any of us dead, because Jesus Christ has taken the full brunt of the curse, and Jesus Christ has fulfilled the ceremonial law of God as given to Moses, it's all been fulfilled in Christ. So it's not about you know what we, what we place in our altar of incense or anything like that anymore. It's not about um, violating ceremony, but it is a an altar of our heart an altar of our will, an altar of our mind, an altar of our life. And we are to be living sacrifices. And so in our worship and service unto the Lord, if our our supernatural encounters, whether it be tongues, whether it be visions, whether it be um, healings, signs, wonders, manifestations of the Holy Spirit with travail, with shouts of joy, with weeping, any expression outwardly, I'm not against any of that. I experience all all of those things to one level or another, and I want to, but if the fruit of that is not a holy reverence, sober fear of God in the, in the most proper biblical way, then the encounters are not producing. I'm not cooperating with the encounters rightly I've ascended up the mountain. I've seen or experienced the presence of God, but I've come down the mountain only to offer strange fire from my life. And guys, I just think it's time for us to grow up in the church, especially those of you that consider yourselves charismatics of whom I am one. And so I would say that in our tribe, especially, um, we need to get reacquainted with reverence, with consecration. Um, I don't know what Nadab and Abihu did, but I do know that there was a disconnect from their personal consecration versus their supernatural encounters that they had had on the mountain. There was something that they let slip. And so that's that's some stuff to think about today. Supernatural encounters, they're not enough on their own. There must be a holy reverence of God, a heart of obedience, a clean moral life. Yeah, you heard me clean, moral life. He cares about what comes out of your mouth. If you're a worship leader and you're praising the Lord on stage, but you're F-bombing or using foul language during the week, that's strange fire you're offering on Sunday. All that worship is strange fire because you're not consecrated during the week. If you're a preacher or a pastor or a prophet and your voice is for the glory of God and yet what comes out of your mouth is bitterness or slander or jealousy or anger or um, any of the works of the flesh and that's what your words produce except when you're in the spotlight then you are offering strange fire and you've got to get your life back to a consecration listen I could go down a list and give you a hundred things of what strange fire that's not my job that's the Holy Spirit's job and I'm going to tell you this Everybody does well to examine his or her life and ask the Lord, am I offering you authorized fire from the heart? Is the altar of my life filled with an acceptable sacrifice? And is the incense and the fragrance coming off my life when nobody is watching, is it consistent with the holy fire of God that was birthed in me during times of revelation and encounter? Those are the questions we need to be asking. So I hope you've been um, stirred today. I hope you've been challenged today. And I hope that uh, all of us as we move forward from this podcast will continue to live lives that bring great honor and glory to God and bring us the deepest sense of all because he is a consuming fire. Hallelujah. We don't serve some casual deity. We serve the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and he is worthy of our righteous living. God bless. We'll see you next time on Mavericks and Misfits. Have you gotten a copy of Jeff's book? His autobiography, titled Figuring It Out As I Go, shares Jeff's journey from being abandoned at childhood to journeying through the maze of addiction as a teen and young adult into his supernatural deliverance at the age of 24 and then into the fascinating pilgrimage into the depths of the Holy Spirit. Order your copy today at jefflisle.com or anywhere online where you buy books. You can also hear Jeff narrate the book by ordering an audio copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at audible.com.